is Brenda. I'm a senior at South Milwaukee High School. Hi, my name's Ivy. I'm a junior at South Milwaukee High School. I'm really passionate about arts because of the free creativity and uh, freedom we get whenever we're doing, and then you're listening to SMA podcast. Welcome to the SMA podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. Report cards are as part of school as pencils and chalkboards. The goal of the report card is to give parents an idea of where their students are in their studies and serve as an early warning sign that they might be struggling in a subject and need some help. Schools and school districts have report cards too, for many of the same reasons. Today, we're going to hear from some people who report the data back to the state and who also use that data to improve how our schools operate. Then we'll hear from Superintendent Deidre Raymer about some system-wide changes she's putting in to help South Milwaukee schools improve for students and on the report card. Here with me to talk about our report cards today, uh, which are coming out next week, is Christy Gajewski, uh, Director of Curriculum and Instruction, and Carrie Stolenwerk, um, a our new Director of Pupil Services and uh, a former principal. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks. Um, so tell me about what data um, parents can read in our school report cards. So our school and district report cards um, have actually a lot of data that goes into figuring out those scores, um, both for the district and for the schools. So some of the data that goes into that is student achievement data, so how students are performing on the state exams that they take every year. Um, from that, then they also calculate growth, so they look at scores from year to year, usually a two to three year window to calculate the growth overall for those cohort groups of students. Um, then there's the target group outcomes, which is a newer indicator, which kind of lets schools and districts know who the groups of students are that they need to focus on, who are maybe experiencing some learning gaps. Um, what would be an example of a target group? Students who speak multiple languages, for example, mm, okay. um, or students with special needs. Some of those, Some of those identifications then help us understand where we need to focus some attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then there's also the on-track and post-secondary readiness, which shows like graduation rates um, and things like absenteeism and chronic absenteeism. Those kind of fill in those scores. And then we get an overall score, which is based on all of those pieces of data, and it's weighted based on um, the the student groups that we have in the district. So for example, because our school district um, has a population of students who could identify as low income, our growth score is weighted heavier for us um, because it's that whole value add. It takes a longer time, it takes much more effort to um, support students who have been experiencing those learning gaps. So our growth score um, is weighted higher than some of the other areas. Mm. So when you say weighted higher, you mean um that when there is progress in that or decline, mm-hmm. that yep. that factors higher into the score at the yeah, end. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it would be different for other school districts. It's it's a way to kind of try to level the playing field across the state for how schools are supporting students from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carrie, what do parents? What should they take away when they see some of the? Um, like, is this telling parents about their kids, or is this telling them about the teachers and the, the structure behind everything? Yeah, so it's speaking to how um, 
a school district and the schools within it are addressing those specific areas. So like it'll tell you how we're performing on absenteeism as compared to other schools in the state. Hmm. It'll tell you how we're performing on our student growth. Like are we seeing growth from year to year as compared to other schools in the state? So it's going to give parents a nice snapshot of where their school is currently performing and should help them to have some questions about how they're growing. Hmm. So when it says something like, you know, X number of students not reaching these things, should I take away that my kids cohort, that grade level is is struggling as a whole, or is it really that reflection of what a school is doing? Like what the, how the school is? It's a tough question. I think it's kind yeah. of a both and. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for us, when we look at, this is like, you know, cohort data. So it's how all of the students, you know, performed overall. Um, but, you know, parents can also, um, usually, typically, parents can have an idea of how their student may have contributed to that by based on getting the four exam scores when they those are sent out. Usually, um, toward the end of the school year is when parents get the copy of their own student's performance. Usually, that will give you an indicator of whether how your own child um, performed. But that's only one significant piece of the data, like one mm -hmm. piece of the data. <clears throat> um, it really, I mean, I don't know if I how to explain that exactly, but it's kind of both and. Like, your, your student scores, their coming to school, their participation, all of that matters, but it is really kind of a large-scale, bird's-eye view of how the school and the district are performing and supporting kids overall. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I could back up for a second and actually just talk about what, really what this is. This is a report from the state to the community mm -hmm. to say what, how our schools are doing uh, in educating students. Right. It's it's speaking to very specific metrics, though. So, like, it doesn't capture um, the school culture and the student experience. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that we as a school district are working on better defining and building a plan for. So, like, this doesn't capture that. Yeah. Um, it really does give you, like, hard data measurements. Right. So it's not like a poor schools. Well, I've been in schools that scored uh, not here, but have scored really low on their state report mm -hmm. cards. But I would send my kid there in a second because uh, I love the principal. I love the teachers I've yeah. met, um, those kind of things. So it's kind of a conundrum because yeah. what you're reading, you know, as an overall score doesn't seem to reflect the reality when you're in there. I would agree um, with that. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't tell the whole story. Nope. Um, so this is uh, so this is us, uh, well, in the administration mm -hmm. here, providing specific metrics specific mm -hmm. data to the state what are uh, you kind of mm -hmm. listed them but what are like how do we even get those so um, our achievement and growth data comes from a couple of places for elementary schools and middle schools it's the forward exam um, we take the scores the kids take the forward exam starting in third grade and they take it all the way through I think 10th grade mm -hmm. yeah and what does it what's a forward exam study like what is it forward ask? exam is usually in most grade levels uh, reading and math reading and literacy and math and then in a couple of the other grade levels they also put in like in fourth grade eighth grade and tenth grade they layer in social studies in science learning as well so mm -hmm. it is typically content and you know and it's aligned to the state standards so it's kind of really measuring how well um, how well have the kids learned the standards have they reached mastery um, of those standards and it's given at the end of the year so it's like everything that kids have learned they're going to be kind of assessed on some of those pieces um, um, even even maybe a more silly question but is it a a paper scantron mm -hmm. fill-in test is okay. it uh what yeah is yeah. it a Good reading question. circle it's what done is on it? the computer yeah uh, okay. it's done on the computer um and so kids 
you know, have to learn to navigate that. So, and it usually, the testing window is, you know, usually over about a month's worth of time. And our teachers really try to break it up um, for kids so they're not testing all day long. Yeah. So they might do one reading test one day and then the second reading test the next day and the same thing with different math math and science pieces so they don't test them all day every day but they do try to be strategic and mm. test the like, say let's we're going to do a reading test we try to in the same environment the students are learning reading we want to try to have them tested during that time so it's not a complete disconnect from what the kids are already doing because while the test is important we also know that our kids are more than that test but we do yeah. want them to take it seriously because it really does show whether or not we address the standards well in our teaching and learning um, over the course of the year. Sure. But I think the other thing to keep in mind with the forward test and with any testing is that it is a measure of the way a child performs on a test that, that day. day. Mm -hmm. So many students, you know, aren't particularly good testers. It doesn't mean that they don't demonstrate the learning in other ways, but on this test on that day, it's a snapshot. Yeah. So it's important to remember that the test scores are only one way of measuring mm -hmm. what a student is learning in school. Right. Sure, sure. And I guess you would expect that the average eventually would come out to give you a good mm -hmm. idea yep. Yep. of everybody, right? Yeah, and then um, um, for high school, they also include the ACT. Um, and then the other metrics, since like I said, yeah. there are other metrics too, right. where we look at chronic absenteeism, which is the number of students who are chronically absent is like if they're absent 10% of the uh, school days that are allotted. So if they're absent 10% at 180 days, they miss 10% of school, that's a lot. So um, they measure that. We get um, kind of points based on how close we are. Um, we also, one of the things that does go into our report cards as well um, is the number of students tested. So if the school district dips below 5% of students who don't take the test, mm. um, we can receive a loss of points in that area. So I know that, you know, that's kind of been for some families, they don't want them to take these tests and things like that. And they always have the ability to opt out. Um, but again, like Carrie said, it's kind of, it's a snapshot one day, how they're performing on that particular day. Um, and we just really encourage the kids to at least try it, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether or not, but I get every family has, you know, has their beliefs on that. So we yeah. understand, but just know that there is, there is a small consequence written into um, the ESEA law that if, if we don't, you know, have that many students, um, if, they opt, if we have more than 5% students either not show up and take the test or opt out, it does impact that overall score. And say, it sounds like two of those metrics can hurt you and doubly mm -hmm. hurt you, right? Because yes. yeah. 5% don't come to school and 5% don't take the test, you yes. get dinged both mm -hmm. times. Um, and I imagine people remember, uh, it wasn't that long ago, this idea of testing and mm -hmm. high pressure imagine that do you hear that from parents that's why they don't want to take the test i think so and i think you know the perception is still you know high stakes testing i mean there's accountability attached to it mm -hmm. right so anytime there's accountability attached it does feel high stakes um but i think what has shifted and what has shifted in in then that was in the era of no child left behind yeah. um when we were specifically trying to make sure 100 percent of the kids were you know, moving and grooving and, and proficiency, you know, in a certain time frame. I think it was until, what, 2011 or something, whenever that law changed. But then um, the, the law had been reauthorized and Penn and Justin and some of the accountability tools and measures have also changed. There's still accountability at the state level because we receive federal funding, mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason why um, we have to have these report cards. Um, but at the same time, 
like we recognize now that these tests are a snapshot and they're an indication of where the system is and where we might potentially have gaps with students mm -hmm. that we need to restructure our you know internal metrics or retool some of the teaching practices that we're doing to try to address and engage more students in learning and those kinds of things um, but we don't we don't use those tests in any way shape or form to say a teacher hasn't been performing or things like that like it's not tied sure, to that, that where in some states it has mm, been let's say that was the second iteration after race to the top yeah. right then it was yeah. tied to teachers yeah which also is not exactly a great measure mm -hmm. right. um and I can see where some of that attendance comes from because I know um, No Child Left Behind was purposely meant to stop warehousing special education students, right? Because yeah. if you could keep them from taking the tests, then maybe your scores would be better and you'd right. get better funding. So there's some gamification, and, and then we're talking twenty dec or two decades of mm -hmm. of adjusting these kind yeah. of things. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what are so we have attendance data? I know uh, we'll talk to our mm -hmm. superintendent a little bit about some of the changes, but. Um, you said aligning like mm -hmm. it's kind of identifying for us some mm -hmm. problems in the system mm -hmm. yeah. that that either we are not scoring well on because we're doing it wrong mm -hmm. or we're actually scoring like recording mm -hmm. it incorrectly or um, yeah just but something else what what are the other benefits of this to the school district the the report card hmm. long pause yeah long <laughs> pause um, I think well, I know school improvement plans yeah. seem to have come out of them, right? Yeah, school yes. improvement plans and really having an awareness of how we're supporting all kids. Um, you know, because like you mentioned, in the Race to the Top and No Child Left Behind, groups of students were kind of deliberately pulled out of the general education population. And that's not exactly best practice. It's not good for kids. Um, and this helps us at least say, Okay, we're doing really great in this area, but we might need to adjust some of our teaching practices and things like that to support more kids, engage more kids. Mm -hmm. So that's where the strategic planning and the district strategic plan kind of come into play. It at least helps us pinpoint areas that, you know, when you work in a school district, you know, you're serving a greater community. And it can feel very overwhelming because mm -hmm. they, you have you feel like you have to fix every single thing because you're seeing kids on a daily basis. Um, but it's impossible to do that and we have to be able to strategically pick the things that will help the system move forward overall and if we know that we've got certain groups of students who if there are trends in all of our schools where we might be inadvertently creating gaps among students then that helps us look at is it the resource that we're using mm -hmm. is it a teaching practice that we've tried and isn't working um is it is it really attendance? How many days have kids missed school? So it really helps us really try to identify where the areas are that we actually have control over fixing um, to pick those things that will help the system grow overall. Sure. I think too, as a principal, it was really helpful um, in facilitating conversations as a whole staff around like, where did we identify opportunities based on this and how were we building a plan to address it? and to normalize conversation about what was working and what wasn't. Mm. Like this just really provides that very natural entry point to that conversation so that we do live in a place that we're always trying to get better. Yeah, I guess if even if it's not a perfect yardstick, you have someone else's mm -hmm. yardstick mm -hmm. to say, this is what we have to measure up to. Right, and there's no perfect yardstick, so it's not the only one we use, but mm -hmm. it is one of them that provides us with some really nice um, normed data. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I kind of opened a door with school improvement plans. Mm -hmm. Can one of you explain what one of, what that is and what what they're used for? Yeah, sure. 
So a school um, looks at their baseline data, so how we're performing in the areas of like academics. Um, we do usually include culture and climate and student engagement, mm -hmm. um, attendance, um, parent and community relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so based on those, we identify where our opportunities for growth as a school are, and we write a plan. And each the plan has components aligned to each of those areas. So you work like we worked with our staff to identify what would be our goals mm -hmm. and then to build objectives, measurable objectives within each goal area. Mm -hmm. um, and that drove our work and it was a, we came back to it regularly at staff meetings to talk about where are we, we used a red light, green light system to see like how we were progressing toward the goal in each of the areas. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's kind of what happens on professional development days. Mm -hmm. I imagine mm -hmm. you have mm -hmm. a check in about mm -hmm. that. Yes. Um, in your guys' experience, do all schools have school improvement plans, even if they are scoring really well? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's kind of part of written into the, the federal law is that it's kind of continuous improvement is written into the federal yeah. law, and it was written in deliberately um, into the state plan as well to make sure that you know even if a school is scoring well, there's still students who might not be reached, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you still have to kind of have, or you might not be communicating well, or right. you might not have the best culture and climate in one school and have great climate and culture in another school. So it really does give us just kind of a, a starting point for improvement conversations. But yeah, most school districts should. I'm not gonna say all, because I know that I cannot speak for the 411 school districts in the state, um, but it is written into this into the federal and state law that we're supposed to have continuous improvement okay um so let's talk a little bit about what's not uh not in the report card sure. like they can measure data points that we mm -hmm. can fill out on a form or submit electronically but how do we what what are some of the things that are not shown on a report card i think a lot of the student engagement stuff yes. is mm -hmm. not really we know that attendance and graduation rate and things and like discipline and stuff are indicators there could be an issue mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily spelled out for us so, like so so they kids don't aren't count. coming to school because they're anxious is not that's something that would populate on and um and on a report card from the state so then it's up to us to dig a little bit deeper and kind of figure out well what's preventing kids from coming to school mm -hmm. is it something that's without their control because their families are hit a struggle spot and don't have a vehicle to get them here? Or is it something more, you know, like, is it, what does the national trend say post COVID kids aren't coming as regularly as they used to. So those are all things that are not on there and that we kind of try to dig in and find out more information about, well, how do we help kids get here? You sure. know, for attendance wise anyway. I think family engagement too is a mm -hmm. really big one. Um, I think particularly coming out of COVID that as we try to strengthen relationships between families and schools and really be strategic partners, that there's a lot of opportunity there. And it's mm. a harder thing to measure, but schools work really hard to figure out kind of where they are with that and how they can improve. So mm. that's a big one. And staff engagement too. Mm. So like using a totally separate survey to ask staff, like, how are you feeling about the work? How are you feeling about the job responsibilities? What do you need? to keep doing the work or to improve. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, really making room for some of those things, which are drivers for how mm -hmm. the things that the report card does measure come Got up. It. Mm -hmm. So they don't ask how many kids are engaged in extracurricular activities, mm -hmm. how many no. athletes do you have, not, nothing like mm -hmm. that. So, no. so if everybody left here at 2.30 or 3.30, depending, or mm -hmm. you know when they get out here, 2.55, that um, 
if everybody went home and there was nothing that happening after school, no no pep rallies, nothing, then that wouldn't score at yeah, all. You would have no card. way of knowing that from the report card. Got it. What um, what should a, a parent, uh, your average parent, a should they look at these period, and b what should they take? Do you think if they should, should they take away from when they read it? Yeah, that's another tough question. Um, we don't want to hide anything. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hide anything. They are public domain as of November 14th. Um, and, you know, we do know that families who consider moving into different areas in the school systems, they look at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say open um, you know, they, they do look at them. Um, um, but, you know, I think what makes people anxious is that sometimes it doesn't always look that great, and it, it only gives a surface level of what's actually happening in those schools. So. I think you're going to see that we've had several of our schools improve over the last year and one school that saw a decline. Um, So when those scores come out. And it's one of those things where it is painful to be a part of a school system and have be at the school where you saw a decline because you know everyone in that building is working their tails off. Mm -hmm. Um, And so keep that in mind, right? So if you're looking at your school and you see, oh, my school is the school that went down, What's happening over there? Well, actually, it's a lot. There's a lot of layers that we have to sift through to figure out what exactly happened to cause those scores and that configuration to see a decline instead of an increase like some of our schools. So just know that the people who work in those buildings are working their tails off to try to figure it out. They want to hear from you about you know how, the, how you think your kid's doing and what you know those kinds of questions and things like that. But I think we just have to be cautious and know that there are people behind this and that you know, nobody wants their score. I mean, even when we were in school, right? Like you took a test, you never wanted to get an F on your test, but mm-hmm. you also knew, oops, I, I got to fix something, right? So it does not feel good. Um, it is very stressful to receive those scores, um, but it is also kind of a rally cry to say, hey, we got to come together and figure this out. So just know that when schools get an identification or they receive a, a report card score that looks less than stellar, there are people that are working on it to try to help improvement. And I think our superintendent is going to talk a little bit about like our strategic planning for the school district mm-hmm. and how that layers into it as well. But I think that's the biggest takeaway is, you know, it is important to take a look at. We are judged. I mean, I would be lying if I said we weren't, but. I also think that, you know, it's great to have some understanding of the report card, but if you have questions about your school, get involved. Mm-hmm. Like join your PTO, PTA, um, have conversations with teachers with the principal like get Mm -hmm. to know the climate and culture and the work of every day that's happening in the school because Mm -hmm. that's way better information Mm -hmm. than this one snapshot yeah interesting um and i guess conversely should we celebrate too much when a school does get better i think we i mean i think we have to celebrate because those they have really collectively come together um and worked for the the students and the staff have come together to show those improvements so yeah we need to celebrate but we don't want to celebrate so much that the other schools feel defeated yeah it's just like okay we did this and then it's what we do on like the professional learning days and calibration or in professional learning communities excuse me is kind of talk about what happened what went well what didn't go well and how are we going to try to come together and take ownership of this so we can move forward and maintain it i mean mm-hmm. i think that's the mm-hmm. that's as a building principal for me that was the danger of celebrating too much was that yes we want to celebrate but we also have to be really aware of the fact that 
it's like a moving target and we yeah. have to keep figuring out how we're going to continue to grow and get Agreed. better. So let's say you lose a class every year and you gain yeah. a class yes. every year, yes. right? So there's turnover every yeah. year in schools. Yeah. Um, well, guys, uh, Christy Gajewski and Carrie Stonework, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, joining us now is Superintendent DJ Raymer. Thank you and welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, Dan. Again. Um, so we just talked about everything that goes into um, a report card and everything not in a report card. Um, it's it's kind of the district's job, your team's job, to try to improve those scores. Uh, even if you get the best scores, you want to keep working on improvement. What are some of the things that we do to try to um, work on our report card scores? Um, yeah, there's a ton of things that we do as a district and as a system that really do bo boost up those scores as best that we can. Mm -hmm. um, one is to make sure that kids understand the material that yeah. goes into them, right? So all the work that we've been doing around early literacy, that's what it's designed for, is to make sure that kids can read. Reading is such an important skill. This is one way that we get a snapshot of how well our kids are doing in reading compared to other kids across the state and compared to other kids in our region, mm -hmm. right? So that is an important measure because we want to know that our kids are making growth at a commensurate rate to other people in our area. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of the work that we've been doing at the high school around understanding what the data tells us, um, we've been doing... a a lot of work for the last couple of years around data literacy. Mm -hmm. So what does a score on the ACT tell us? And as much as I am not a huge fan of standardized tests, they are the measures by which we're publicly judged. And the nice part about taking those when you're as the state assessment is then we have students that get to take a practice opportunity at the ACT or they get to use that ACT score to go on and apply to colleges. Mm -hmm. And it opens up some doors for our kids. A high score on the ACT can come with scholarship money or other things that we want to make sure all kids have access to. So mm -hmm. paying attention to how kids do on those standardized tests, even if we don't love the standardized test, is important. Yeah. And they break all those tests down. They'll tell us right in the forward exam. Third grade students are struggling with you know levels of comprehension. High school students are struggling with identifying these elements of literature or these pieces of math. And then that tells us to go back and look at all of our curricular documents to make sure that we have the right components in there to address the areas where our kids are doing well and we can keep going strong in those areas and address the areas where we're seeing some skills gaps. Hey, where do we need to add something to the curricular options to make sure that our kids have a really solid experience mm -hmm. and can perform well at whatever they're going to do? Sure. This particular measure is based off of the ACT for high school kids and for the elementary and intermediate and middle school students, the forward exam. But we want the kids to feel confident anytime they're asked to show me what you know, that they can do it. Right, right. And like we said, it's helpful, I imagine, for you to have someone else's yardstick, right? So And, and to build um, kind of trust out in the public that at least this is a common yardstick that we're all being measured against. Um, from a systems point of view, though, I know um, specifically since you've been here, we've talked about changing how we take attendance, right? I mean, that's your job, right? The big system stuff. What are Explain maybe the attendance changes and then um, anything else that you'd like to add to that. 
Um, sure. Yeah, we're just paying more attention to the times that our kids are in school. And we want kids in school when they're healthy enough to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got some feedback from some families when we posted something about attendance like, hey, just so you know, there's a big virus going around and I want to make sure we're keeping everyone safe. And so do we. We take that part really, really seriously. Yeah. But we're just starting to pay more attention to what are the reasons kids aren't coming to school? Because mm-hmm. if they're not coming to school, access to the content knowledge that they would need to go on and do a job or go on and be successful in life. One way to measure that is through the ACT isn't going to be there if they're not regularly in school. So we've been working really closely with our elementary schools. Um, One of our principals at Lakeview, Chris Sapersky, just presented on some of the work that they've been doing around attendance at the AWSA conference, a big statewide conference, Mm -hmm. Um, and just starting to look at what's the root cause. So does the family have a barrier to get into school that we need to overcome or we need to work on? Do we have accessibility things? Do we need to move around some of the courses so that the student has a schedule that works a little bit better if they're working two jobs outside of school or if Mm -hmm. they have other things going on? How do we tailor the school experience to really maximize the student getting what they need out of it? Sure, sure. And also too, right, if if a student is struggling to get to school on time and they're not there when the bell rings, they still there's a point at which they can be counted as being in school, right? And so if they correct, come yeah, a little bit late, yeah. Um, and in elementary school in particular, we tend to only take attendance two periods of the day, mm-hmm. right? Morning and afternoon, and then if we've marked the kid absent because they were tardy in the morning, then we've counted them absent for the really the whole day mm-hmm. when it comes to the measures that are used in the state report card system. Yeah. So there's just some ways to more accurately reflect attendance. We yeah. want to make sure we're getting credit when the kids are in school on this report card system and that we're honoring the fact that the student isn't in school when they're really not in school. And so by changing a few of the systems ways that we look at the whole picture of how we're recording things to be absolutely in compliance with what's expected by DPI and the law, Mm -hmm. but yet to make sure that it's really true to form for how they're going to measure it on these report cards, that part has also been really important. And sometimes a new set of eyes can see something that if you've done it for a long time, you just always do it the way you did it. Yeah. And so yeah. being able to look at some systems and talk to the different people who manage those systems here to say, hey, where are the gaps that are created? Yeah. Right? Are we clear with how we're taking attendance and does it meet what's required by us You know, through DPI, like I said, in the statutes? But does it also philosophically align to what we're trying to do, where Mm -hmm. we also want to work closely with families? Kids need to be on time for things. In life, that's a super important skill. So it's not that we're taking that lightly, but life also happens to people. And people have doctor's appointments or there's transportation issues or other things. And we want to make sure that we're providing the right amount of grace, but then also not taking a ding in the way that things are measured when really it wasn't our ding to take because that student was in school for the majority of the day. I was going to say, like, the idea from knowing how they pull the data and how they look at it um, matters with how you record it in the first place, right? So um, I think of it as driving down a mountain uh, back, I don't know if people drove stick, but um, if you didn't downshift and just rode your brakes all the time, they'd overheat. The brakes, there's nothing wrong with the brakes, it's just you were driving incorrectly. Right. um, And it's just you get the wrong warning sign then, I guess. Um, Systematically, any... um, What are some other changes that are coming in? Yeah, I think we're really working on, we do a lot of PLC work in our Mm -hmm. school district, which is a professional learning community. Um, And that's when a group of teachers get together and they start to talk about what do they need to hold in common across areas so that we ensure that all kids have access 
to the absolute standards that they need? And then where is there that balance of teacher autonomy Mm -hmm. to base um, what's going to happen in the classroom and what the teacher is interested in or what the student is interested in? And we're trying to figure out what that balance is right now. So the PLCs historically were filling out more scope and sequence documents, and some of those were really broad. Mm -hmm. And they just had some of the state standards identified. But they didn't really talk about what was the experience going to be that, you know, teachers held in common between classes, Mm -hmm. right? Every Mm -hmm. social studies student is going to have access to these particular skills. And then within the class, the teacher can personalize it to themselves or to the students. There should be a ton of teacher autonomy in a system. But there should also be a basic floor that we all agree to hold in common. All third grade students should have access to these 10 to 15 ELA standards, English language arts, so that we can ensure the kids have the equal opportunity to learn the important skills around reading. Mm -hmm. And then teachers are going to do a million things on top of that. So we meet, that's what we do with the teachers when we have those half days, which is we're grateful to this community for supporting that time with our staff. Mm -hmm. But that's what we do on those days is we start to figure out what we need to hold in common. And We've had a couple of half days under our belt, and we got some feedback from our staff. Mm, It's still not 100% clear what we're doing and why we're doing it, so now we're going to clarify. This week, Wednesday, we're going to get back together as a whole system, all the staff and the PAC, and I'm going to talk about why it's so important that we hold some things in common across every school and every um, building in our district and every department so that kids can have a commensurate experience wherever they go. And then the beauty and the autonomy that our incredibly talented staff bring to the table and then our kids with their passions and what they're interested in bring to the table. Sure. And I guess like what I didn't understand about schools um, before I learned about it was that um, Dan Bader in third grade struggled with this, but the third grade teacher never actually gets to talk to the fourth grade teacher that has Dan Bader because there's no PLC time. So you don't know that I'm dyslexic and I can't get my, I get my numbers backwards. So I start failing the test right away in the beginning because you didn't know because you didn't get a chance to talk to the third grade teacher. Right. Um, so how do we build those PLCs then across our district too? Because we want the kids at Luther to be having a similar experience mm. to the kids at Rawson and Blakewood and Lakeview as well. But we also want that autonomy for the experience to be the right one for the kids that are in that classroom and in that school at the same moment. So the systems work is really trying to find the balance Mm. between what we need to hold in common. Why are we holding that in common? It meets a state standard. It's something that we know is going to be assessed on these tests. And it's a life skill that we know is important to our kids as they learn how to read or Mm -hmm. as they learn how to do math. You know, why did I need to know this as a question? Students have been asking teachers for the length of time, um, but some of them, we have actual really good answers to where you're going to use all of that information later in life. Mm -hmm. This is just one measure, these report cards and these tests, that's one measure, but it also kind of tells us, okay, overall, our kids are making gains Here's how we have to do progress monitoring. So that's when we give like a MAPS test. The high school gives a test called Horizon. The middle school was working on a test called iReady. That gives us more regular progress notes Mm -hmm. so that we're not just surprised when we take, voila, the big assessment once a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Both Christy and Carrie mentioned the strategic visioning process. How does that tie? How does developing a mission, a vision, and a purpose tie into... Um, report cards? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So it has a very distinct tie, right? Um, we want our students to feel successful in school. 
but the feeling and the doing are two different distinct parts of it. And mm. those both contribute to the student experience. So one of the building blocks of the plan, not only will we have a mission and a vision, the mission's been set for us. That's the moral imperative that mm-hmm. our board has already approved. The values need to be held in common by the people who support this organization and lead it. And then the vision, like where do we want to be next, is that aspirational moment to say, what do we want for the students we get the opportunity to serve every day? Mm. And that's such an important statement about where we're going next. So on top of that, in the strategic plan, then you make goals in four areas. So we're doing the student experience. So what do we really want for our kids, not only with these tests and these report cards, but everything else that goes into it? How do we expand electives? How do we expand opportunities for them to communicate and collaborate and problem solve so that they can go out into the world and do whatever is right for them and Mm. their families with the encouragement and the support of their families and their support system outside of school and us? Mm. Um, And then one around the employee experience. How do we ensure our teachers know exactly what they should be doing and where they have all the room in the world to be who they are and respect their professionalism in order to be able to determine what's next for the kids that they get to serve with the kids that they get to serve with Mm. the students that they work with. Mm. Um, And then there's one on community and community relations. How do we make sure our families understand what we're trying to do? How do we create more business partnerships? And then how do we work together so the whole system can move forward? And then the last one is around, um, Fiscal stability and facilities. So what do we want in the long-term plan to ensure we can stay fiscally stable and have the facilities that we know we need? This Mm. community supported a referendum about 20 years ago that built this beautiful high school. But we need to make sure we have a really solid plan to maintain that and respect the the investment the community made, which so far we have been able to. But now to be able to report back to the community some accountability measures and how we're doing on all of those pieces, that's the other exciting part. Once you get the five-year plan, you make some one-year markers, and then you have something to go back to the community and say, here's what we worked on and here's how we're doing. Mm. And on top of that, then they get the school report card measure as well so that families start to say, okay, our kids are more than just one test score, 100%. These are the other measures that I understand about the student experience so that I can know that my child is supported and safe and feels like they belong and wants to work hard here at school. Hmm. Um, and so uh, I guess last question, because I know you got to go. What are uh, what do you hope or what, what do you want a parent to take away f- when they see the p- report cards come out? Um, I want our parents to understand that we're growing and we're growing in the right direction in many, many, many cases. And we have a plan for the schools where we are not growing at the rate that we wish that we were. Right. So a lot of our school report card, a good chunk of it gets based on growth, how students do from one year to the next. And that's something we pay really close attention to. We're working to close gaps for all students all the time, but we want to know that every single student is growing at a really nice pace along the way. Um, And that's the thing that, you know, as you get your child's school report card score, as you see what's out there, pay attention to that growth score. Is that higher than the state average? Are we moving in the right direction to close some gaps on behalf of the kids we get to serve every day? Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of the SMI podcast. A couple of reminders, that strategic planning process is open to anyone in the community to attend. A lot of thoughtful people are giving a lot of their time and energy to the process. And if you want to be a part of it or observe, you're more than welcome. Second, 
Please pay attention to another deliberative process going on right now. The South Milwaukee School Board is considering a potential referendum. It's important to follow along as board members debate and discuss the needs of the district and how to meet them. You can learn more on our website, www.sdsm.k12.wi.us. My name is Daniel Bader. Thanks for listening.